Hey folks, it's Jeff Fuzzy Wenzel from the Woodshed Agency, and you're listening to a new episode of Successfully Funded. Turn it up. Yeah! Yeah! All right, crowdfunders. How is everybody doing out there in the wonderful land of crowdfunding? If this is your first time here, welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, I am your host, Jeff Fuzzy Wenzel, CEO of Woodshed Agency, your premier boutique marketing agency for all of your crowdfunding needs. That's right. I don't know why I'm talking like that. Um, Well, welcome. Yeah, if this is your first time, like I said, we do crowdfunding. Uh, reward-based, equity-based, uh, on Shopify, whatever it might be, pre-order. Uh, and this podcast is all about talking to project creators while they're in the middle of a campaign or their campaign is just finished up. But today is a little bit of an exception. Uh, we are talking with Shelby, the um, marketing director over at the Tool Kick Booster again. And if you guys are familiar with um, this podcast, you know that uh, Shelby and I talked almost a year ago to the day um, uh, just about Kickbooster in general, but now they've got a brand new uh, tool. They've got a pledge manager tool that they are just rolled out uh, for all the project creators. And we thought it would be a, a good idea to kind of you know reconnect, talk again, and talk about you know why pledge managers exist, how people can use them, and then just what, what the tool's doing and why it might be uh, different than some of the other platforms that are out there in the market. So that conversation is coming up in just a little bit. So, you know, if you want, feel free to hit the old fast forward button and get to that part of this, uh, of this interview, or you can hang out with me while I talk to you about the future of this podcast. This is, this is going to be our last episode, 233 episodes, four and a half years, almost five years. I think of doing this. We started, uh, if you go back to episode one, you'll hear there's three of us on the podcast as we're trying to figure it out. Then you're going to see that I did a couple episodes where I was just like really breaking down a campaign and just following it. So you just kind of feel us finding our uh, finding our rhythm. Um, and then one day I said, you know what? I'm just going to do this myself, <laughs> like a lot of other things in life. And um, put up the mic and just started knocking them out. And you know, that's at least 220 to 225 episodes. And we talked to some amazing, amazing project creators. I mean, if you just go through the campaigns, man, tons of valuable information. And one of the reasons I'm comfortable sort of saying goodbye to the podcast or starting to work on other things is a lot of the information is still relevant, right? Um, And which is one of our biggest things of like, you know, we want to make sure we were giving you guys the most up-to-date information. So, you know, you can go back a month from now or two months from now and listen to an episode or, or find a, um, a project that's in your, in your, uh, you know, in your category and talk and listen and, you know, um, have that ability to find the creator and reach out to them and talk to them about what they're working on and how they got to this point and how they got be- to become successfully funded. So, you know, we really think that this podcast has done exactly what we wanted it to do. We wanted it to, to, um, to you know, to be a true resource for project creators. Um, you know, they didn't get any sales pitches. They got, you know, here's how we did it. Here's how we went from A to Z. Here's how we raised X amount of dollars. Um, so I'm proud of, definitely proud of that. Um, it's, it's still bittersweet. You know, I, I want this, these podcasts to, I want to keep doing it, but really, like I talked about in the last episode, you know, just kind of done with the whole Kickstarter space. There is so many red flags right now, um, in the space. And I say all that because it's just, it's just how we're feeling. You know, I mean, there's obviously going to be agencies that are still doing this. It's something that we're still going to continue to work on, um, you know, as an agency, but it's just not going to be our main focus. I mean, even right now, out of all of our clients, 90% of them are in, are in the equity space. So it just makes it challenging, you know, as a small company ourselves to upkeep our data, right? We've got, you know, hundreds of thousands of backers database. We've got, you know, big, huge databases of email addresses and all this sort of stuff. It makes it tough to, you know, have that community continue to be thriving. Um, our newsletters to keep being thriving and keep growing those as well as doing that in the equity space. So really we're just standing back and, and truly looking and going, you know what, I kind of have to go to where, 
um, you know, I gotta, I gotta go to where we're really having more success right now. And that is the equity space. Um, you know, and we, we want to own that more. We're focusing a lot more in the event space of that. Um, so again, follow us on clubhouse. We're on there all the time doing events. Same thing with Facebook lives, you know, um, and really, you know, again, another thing is that equity space is a little bit for businesses that are a little bit more established. There's, there's unfortunately in the Kickstarter space, there's so much failure and truly, again, this is one of the reasons we did the podcast, right? Like there's so much failure and it beats you down at some point when you just look at it and you go, this, it's really tough to run a successful campaign, really tough. And all these interviews back me up on it, right? Like it's, it's a lot of work. Um, so yeah, so for us as a, as a, like again, a small boutique agency who specializes in these, this little niche thing, you know, we, we don't just do Facebook ads. We don't just do Google ads. We don't, we do it all. Um, so when you're running everything for different verticals like this, as well as e-commerce, we still have e-commerce in here. It just makes a, a company kind of bulky. And, and this is us kind of learning our own our own scenarios around crowdfunding, you know, just like, I mean, I'm a startup just like everybody else on these episodes. So, you know, you're standing back and you're looking, you're going, all right, where can we trim? How can we get cleaner? Um, how can we get more efficient? Where should we put our focus and time and energy? And again, when you look at the podcast, it doesn't bring in any money, right? It, it's not like it's a, a money driver for us. It's more about a resource and something to give back to people. Um, as well as it's always great, you know, because it, you know, whenever I'm on lead calls or whatever it is, I, I almost always have a campaign I can point to and say, oh my gosh, you guys are like this, this, and this. I, I mean, I just had, I just did it today. Um, I just was on a lead call with somebody and I was like, you got to check out Tidbit, man, the way they did their vintage marketing. And, you know, they had a, a more of a retro vibe and theme, you know, just all that stuff. It's always, so it's nice to be kind of up to date on that sort of stuff. Um, but again, I think, we can still do that same stuff, still be successful with a lot of campaigns, still have a ton of valuable resources, but, you know, focus our energies a little bit in different, different categories. So I say all that, you know, obviously, um, you know, it's a pretty big change for us over here. It's something that I, I currently have been, I've been struggling with it. I, it's on my mind 24 seven. Um, I've spent some time at the old He-Man Club with a bourbon and cigar, just sitting there with some music on, just thinking, just trying to imagine what this next, um, you know, these next chapters might look like. Um, you know, again, and again, these aren't big changes. I'm just saying our focus is just isn't going to be in the Kickstarter space anymore because we just do way more work in equity anyways. So it's, it's the world is sort of pointing us in this direction and uh, we're going to, we're going to listen and, and take that, take that rein. So, yeah, it's bittersweet, man. Bitter, bittersweet. But I hope you guys have enjoyed it. I hope you guys have enjoyed this ride. I hope you enjoyed all the episodes. Or I, you know, I think back that there is documentation of me going through, you know, over the last almost five years of of stress from you know marriage and and uh, creating this business, running this business, to my dad being uh, sick and passing away. Um, you know, uh, having Sean have to fill in and, and guest host a few episodes, um, you know, doing some episodes about equity crowdfunding and then having uh, the SEC yell at us. I mean, we had that. I mean, we've had a ton of stuff, man. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's a healthy amount of work for very little money, but it's been fun to do it and uh, we've enjoyed it. But like all all things sometimes, you gotta got to put it to bed. But at least there's a ton of content out there. A ton. Oof. Yep. Yep. A little bit of quiet time for the podcast. So, again, if you're, you know, if you're just found this episode and you are getting ready to listen, you know, just know we're at a different place than you. So don't take anything that we're saying. Um, and apply it to yourself. We're just at a we're just at a different energy, right? Different different time. Um, but this tool, though, I will tell you, I, I am impressed by Kick Booster. They they do some cool stuff, man. Um, I definitely like the whole everybody over there. Um, they've got a good energy, and their tools work. You know, their uh, referral program is just an amazing tool for Kickstarter. So again, go check them out. Use the tools. Check out their new pledge manager. I haven't personally used it yet, but I've checked it all out and it looks like it's going to be a powerful tool. Um, and even for the couple Kickstarters that we have come in this year, we're, we're going to utilize it and we're going to use it. Um, 
So I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it, but it, it is definitely very, very cool. Um, and I encourage you guys all to go out and check it out. So, um, yeah, everybody else go over to woodshed.agency. Uh, got that, a lot of stuff over there. We're still putting out the blog. Uh, it's going to be coming out weekly. We've got a new one that's coming out here in just a little bit. Um, we still have our discord community. Uh, again, we're going to be focusing on that. A li- we're going to pivot that a little bit o- more over to the equity space. So make sure you guys, uh, join over there. Um, have com- we're going to have conversations community. I've got some of our, um, campaigns that we're working on are over there. So, um, we're going to have clubhouse events around it. So again, still going to be doing a bunch of stuff. Just, uh, we're going to adjust this format a little bit and, and start in a different direction. So song we're going to listen to is uh, time rolls by it's off the old race stable i'm going to play that as our intro and our outro music and uh yeah here's our interview with shelby olson directing uh director of marketing over at kick booster here we go All right, Shelby, the red light's on, and you've already done this before. What did you have for breakfast this morning? So far, I'm running on coffee, so... Just some coffee, huh? Fun to have a good lunch after this. All right, yeah, good, 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 good. Yeah, I was a, I was a double egg today. I don't know, I woke up and I was like, I'm hungry, so I'm going to get some eggs today. Uh, well, cool. <laughs> well, um, you know, for anybody who uh, didn't hear our first episode, um, why don't you introduce yourself? and tell my listeners where you're from, and then we'll dive into why we're talking again, okay? Sounds good. So I'm Shelby. I am the marketing strategist at KickBooster. And KickBooster is we're a software company that builds solutions for the crowdfunding space. Um, yeah, it's been about a year since we talked, and since then we've launched a couple new products. Uh, we are based out of Canada in Winnipeg, so most people <laughs> don't really know where that is. Yep. People from Canada think of Toronto and Vancouver, but... Right. That's ten of the continent. Yeah, you're in the middle, right? Yeah. Right, right in the old, right in the old middle. That's awesome. So you know, so for a lot of our listeners, you know, Kickbooster is an amazing tool that you know my agency uses. A lot of other agencies uses uh, use uh, to help campaigns sort of maximize their potential. Um, you know, and if you guys are not familiar, go back to our first episode because we talk all about kind of just Kickbooster in general, right? Like what it does and kind of the behind the scenes. And we'll talk a little bit still about that on this one. But but let's talk about some of the new features uh, and the new tools that you guys are working on to help project creators, you know, maximize their potential. Absolutely. So Kickbooster to date or historically has really been known for the referral marketing mm-hmm. solution. Uh, that's the first tool that we came out of the gate with a couple of years ago and um, that we have, that's been really our bread and butter yep. since. Uh, but this past year, we have been working on launching a new tool. And as of Monday this week, we launched it and that is our pledge manager. So for anyone who's not familiar with what a pledge manager is, um, it's basically a way for you to manage your backers' pledges and rewards after the campaign ends to collect any vital information like uh, sizing, different color options. Basically, if your your rewards have any variance, uh, there's a good chance you'll need to use a pledge manager to yeah. collect that from, from your backers. Uh, but it also provides an opportunity for creators to raise more funds. So you can upsell your backers to higher reward tiers. You can sell add-ons. Um, even collect failed payments if something goes wrong during the campaign. Yep. So, um, yeah, just a great way to to keep the ball rolling, keep building momentum, even after your campaign runs its course. Yeah, and so for anybody out there who has never ran a Kickstarter or had a or had a successful one, the surveying process inside of Kickstarter leaves a lot to be desired. It is as bare bones and minimum as possible, right? It's just literally like here's your spreadsheet good luck. So, you know, what we're really talking about here is like, I mean, let's just, we'll go something simple, like t-shirt. I don't know. You got three different colors next to impossible mm-hmm. to sort of keep everything organized, all the data organized, um, in, in the spreadsheet to make sure that, you know, person A gets the red one, person B gets the blue one. And Oh, the red one also goes to person C. Right. Um, so what are you guys doing to just integrate and make this process simpler, um, you know, for somebody who, again, who's probably never seen what we're talking about right now. You know what I mean? They've never seen the back end of, of, of a successful Kickstarter, but, but how are you guys like integrating and making it a simple process? Definitely. So we come at it from a little bit of a different angle. Um, we've had feedback from creators that 
that have used pledge managers before and have gone through that process that it can be a little bit tedious and redundant to go through, set up each product, each reward multiple times just to have to go and do that again if they choose to start selling online through like an e-commerce store. Um, So where we come in is we actually integrate directly with the e-commerce store Mm -hmm. so that creators can set up their products like they normally would on the platform and then just sync them into our survey. Mm -hmm. So all of like the shipping settings, uh, taxes, different variants like size and color like we already talked about there, um, all of that can get pulled into our pledge manager and project creators can then have a list of all the products that they already have and configure them to match up with their certain reward levels mm. so that when their backers come through to select their their different options, um, that information is transferred back to the e-commerce store as though they're just regular orders on the store right. and they can manage it through their usual like 3PL or, or fulfillment partners. So um, now does it work with any sort of e-commerce store or is, or is there a specific ones that it integrates with better? Right now, uh, we started out of the gate with Big Commerce as well as WooCommerce. Okay. So both those stores, uh, full integrations with the pledge manager. But next steps, we'll be looking at getting on other platforms sure. and expanding that so that anyone can really use right. it. So, you know, so as you're kind of going through it, let's maybe walk through a little bit around maybe where the pro- what the project creator should be thinking. And again, this is something we are always telling our clients, like, don't just think about the Kickstarter ending, you know, on day 30. It's, you know, it's what comes after this. So when should a client kind of be thinking about these next steps? If, you know, if their campaign is doing well, you know, when, when should they kind of start this process? Like, okay, I want to plug all this stuff together and start building this out. When should they be thinking about that? Right. So my advice in general to creators is always like plan as though you are going to succeed, <laughs> plan for the best case scenario. And of course, plan for the worst. Um, with the pledge manager, you really don't need to start working on it until the campaign is done. However, the sooner the better yeah. always for for that seamless experience. So we have we have done a few beta tests with creators, and some of them have started setting up while they still have a few days left in the campaign, and then others have come to us days to weeks after the campaign has actually ended. So there is a bit of a, a buffer in the timeline, and it really depends on the particular creators like level of preparedness or what their kind of goals are in terms of how soon they want to collect this information if they're planning to start fulfillment right away. Um, but if they know that they have a couple of weeks to maybe even months before they're actually going to be able to get manufacturing or fulfillment done, um, then there there's usually a little bit more, more leeway. But sure. one big thing to consider there is with Kickstarter, there's always a portion of pledges that will fail or be fraudulent or credit card information won't go through for whatever reason. Um, So the sooner that you can do this after your campaign, the higher the chances are that you'll be able to collect some of those pledges that maybe didn't go through the first time. Yeah, it's funny, you know, for us, most of the time, it's just um, a bank tagging it as fraud. Like, that's the only thing. And And we just, we need the person to like, Yes, you did do this. Just hit the accept, right? Or, or you know, whatever you got to do. Just turn your debit card back on to accept this payment. But um, now, now, are you guys? Because you know, Kickstarter usually has about a two week window after a campaign to sort of send out their own messaging. Are you guys kind of working in sync with that to some degree, or is it completely separate? Or is it, hey, Kickstarter put, send out those messages? Ours kind of start happening after that portion. Kind of either or. So like you mentioned, that 14-day period um, is when Kickstarter will try to kind of collect those funds. So um, during that two-week window after the campaign, you have access to something called a backer report. So you can download that at any time and upload it to the pledge manager to try to collect some of those. Mm. After that 14-day window, however, um, you don't have access through Kickstarter to any of those backers whose pledges had failed. So um you'll want to try to get that list downloaded within that 14 day period, just to make sure you have a, a snapshot of the full picture. Sure. Definitely. And let's talk a little bit about um, upsells. Cause I think this is again, a huge, huge thing that everybody should be thinking about. Again, once your campaign ends, I don't know, you bring in your hundred thousand dollars, but keep the funding coming. Maybe there's some add-ons mm-hmm. or, 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 you know, some extra things. And, and I'm not hundred percent sure cause I haven't played with your beta testing yet, but can you bundle stuff to some degree too? Can you say, Hey, you know, we had a couple other things. Can we, can you, can you do something like that as well? Where you add a couple things after the campaign? Um, and then, you know, 
how, why is that important and how easy is that to sort of set up uh, through you guys' new tool? Yeah, for sure. So super easy. Um, there's a couple different ways that you can approach it. Like there's quite a bit of freedom of in how you configure it. So once all of your products are brought in from the store um, and something also to keep in mind there, they don't have to be public products on the mm-hmm. store. They can be configured there and still brought into the survey in case maybe you don't want to sell them publicly and only offer it through the survey. Um, once they're brought in, you can map them to different reward levels. You can choose which ones you add or offer as add-ons and also choose which reward levels get the option to add them as add-ons. Um, lots of opportunities to do bundling there. It's really up to the project creator how they want to go about it. Um, but there's really two, I guess, main upsell opportunities. The first one right off the bat, um, up to the creator, but we can ask the backer to upgrade to a higher reward level. So maybe maybe they pledge just to get one reward, but the one, one uh, level up includes a few add-ons or includes a second version of the reward at maybe a reduced rate. Uh, whatever it may be, there's another opportunity to do it there. Um, also a great time for those like $1 backers or support mm-hmm. backers to opt into actually getting a reward instead of just right. that straight financial contribution. And then after all of that selected, there's an opportunity to include add-ons as well. So we show a full page of all the add-ons available and same way that you check out in any store, really just add them to cart, have a summary of everything on the side. So you know what the cost is as you're shopping, Um, whatever you pledged on Kickstarter is already applied to the cart. So you can kind of get a sense of things there, but yeah, definitely a couple opportunities to upsell there. And uh, with the beta tests that we have been running over the past couple weeks to months, we found that about 24% of additional campaign funds were raised just through those add-ons. So uh, definitely a significant difference. It's like almost a full quarter more than what was raised on Kickstarter. Well, it's, you know, when we're we're laying out a page, we're always talking to our creators like, listen, I I get it, but you got it. What are some potential add-ons that you know, you're not thinking of right now that, you know, but you, you know, you have to be cautious. Cause again, when I'm with a client, I'm also like, you know, you don't want to have so many add-ons that, you know, you, you know, you're, you're responsible uh, for like three add-ons and all of a sudden you're like, man, I don't have enough money for all this stuff. Right. Or whatever it might be, but, <laughs> but really good add-ons uh, can help out these campaigns immensely. Um, and, and also kind of, again, if you're setting up your, your projects correctly too, you can kind of visualize where maybe their, your campaign's going in the future, right? Like a version 2.0 or version 3.0 some of these add-ons can maybe, you know, help out and and mm-hmm. really just bring in extra cash. And, and if you're seeing the, the data behind the scenes that, yeah, an extra you know 25% might be coming in, it's something you got to be thinking about and spend that time. And so that's, that's really, really important. You know, a lot of people are talking, you know, privacy is such a huge issue right now. It seems like every website you go to, you're, you're getting cookies jammed in your face. How are you guys handling sort of the privacy component of this once somebody's leaving sort of the Kickstarter ecosystem um, and just making sure that everybody's data is, is, uh, is protected and secure? Let, let's set up, set up that question again here. So I was asking about privacy and just, you know, you're getting off, you know, this data is coming out of the Kickstarter platform. It's going into the client's hands. How are you guys a part of that in terms of making sure that just privacy is uh, is upheld um, as you're kind of, you know, leaving the Kickstarter platform? Right. So yeah, Kickbooster is fully like GDPR compliant. Um, all of the different privacy laws we've taken into account, given we are dealing with the global market. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're quite strict about that. Um, with the backer surveys too, like we don't force the backers to create any accounts. So they're sent a unique URL for them to go and complete that backer survey. But at no time do they have to actually create a full account with us. Um, we use Bold Checkout as our, our checkout process as well. So Very Secure Checkout has has a great reputation for protecting the data there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we've taken taken a lot of consideration into those privacy laws, making sure financial information, PII, all of mm-hmm. that is protected. Awesome. Awesome. So let's, let's talk a little bit about, you know, the process and how you guys got here and kind of maybe what's in the roadmap or the mind to say, Hey, you know, we're going to, we're going to move off of, of all, you know, of, of a lot of referral marketing, kind of what you guys are known for and moving into this other thing. What was some of the conversations as, as to why you're doing this? Yeah, we just have noticed a lot of opportunities in the market to, to make things easier for both project creators, backers, really all the stakeholders involved in crowdfunding. And as, as a tech company that builds software solutions for crowdfunding, uh, makes sense for us to start exploring different ways that we can add value at every stage of the campaign. So 
Uh, Pledge Manager was a natural next step for us. Um, we have our parent company is Bold Commerce. So we do have a background in e-commerce. Um, so we were looking at ways that we can kind of marry our experience in e-commerce with our experience in crowdfunding and, and provide that integrated um, opportunity and solution. So yeah, down the line, we're going to, right now at least, going to be focusing on polishing up the Pledge Manager um, open to any feedback and, and making changes based on that. And then after that, we'll, we'll have to see what's the next best thing for everyone. Sure. Um, but to provide kind of a general statement, we're just really looking at, at adding value at any stage that we can for project creators and uh, very focused on the crowdfunding industry as a whole. That's cool. Now, you know, we, we keep saying Kickstarter over and over. Does this also work for Indiegogo? Uh, not at the moment. Okay. So for our, our first version launch, yeah, we just decided to go with Kickstarter. Um, I know Indiegogo's kind of checkout process or um, post-campaign process is a little bit more thorough, yeah. so um, less of an urgent need there. But we are, of course, looking at integrating with Indiegogo as well, just to make sure we're everywhere that we need to be for project creators. That's cool. And you know, just in general, since you know, last time we talked, we talked literally about a year ago this time. Um, what are you guys sort of seeing in the crowdfunding space that maybe somebody like myself isn't seeing on the agency side? So what are you guys seeing kind of behind the scenes in terms of success rate? You know, how much has the pandemic impacted, good or bad, whatever it is? Just just what do you guys like just what do you guys feel about crowdfunding? What's the energy around it right now in, in, in your world? We were kind of unsure about things right when the pandemic kicked off. Um, kind of thought that it might have a bit of a hit, but for the most part, just looking at kind of our year-over-year -year trends, there doesn't seem to be that big of a an impact yeah. just in terms of like the number of campaigns launching, the amount being raised. Um, some like we have a few repeat creators that we tend to see mm -hmm. every year, sometimes multiple times a year, and. Um, right now, it seems like they're all kind of coming out of hibernation and starting to launch those campaigns. Um, definitely seeing a lot of success with influencer marketing strategies with crowdfunding. I think that's becoming a lot more mainstream, uh, specifically working with like YouTubers and yeah. um, Instagram influencers, those on more visual platforms to do product reviews and mm. stuff. Um, lots of success there. And yeah, just in general, I think a lot of more of those repeat creators are using Kickstarter and Indiegogo as more of an opportunity to market the product and less so to actually raise funds. I'd say that's, yeah. that's a bigger trend that I'm noticing. It's, it's interesting you're saying that because um, that was the exact trend that I feel like I've been seeing over the last maybe six months or so. It's There might be like 50 people running crowdfunding campaigns over and over and over. It's like that, that are having success, you know, raising a hundred grand yeah. or something like that. You know, you've got a whole bunch in the board game world where it's like, yeah, there's like, 20 people there that just keep doing it. But then it's like, it's all the same names. It's just the same, you know, it's product A, product B, product C, product, you know, they just keep doing that. And, and that's, and I wonder if that is, again, let's go back to how a, a tool like Kickbooster might fit into this. Like, you know, if you are just, this is your first time running a crowdfunding campaign, you're, you might not be aware of a Kickbooster or any of the other tools that might, ha might work. But these are the things that, you have to be using to get these campaigns successful. It is not like, I, I am still blown away in the amount of calls I get where somebody's like, I just built the page. I thought Kickstarter would just bring me in a bunch of money. Yeah. What? <laughs> you know? So, yeah. you know, so like how, even for you guys, do you guys can, you know, make sure that you're being seen by that first time creator who might not understand referral marketing yet, you know, they, they made their widget. They made the widget in the garage. That's what they're excited about. Now you got to do the real work, right? So how do you guys kind of continue right. to make sure that you're getting in front of these people to say, it's a lot of work, <laughs> right? Like this campaign is going to be a lot of work. We've, we've definitely put a lot more emphasis on producing educational content. So um, I'd say the majority of our, our blog content and like any podcast webinars that we do, is more so targeted at that first time creator yeah. and helping them understand where they need to be looking, when they need to be planning and really who they need to be talking to. Yeah. Um, I know there's a ton of Facebook groups that are great for, for face or first time creators to get resources and feedback from the community. So I'm um, trying to be more active in there as well. And yeah, like I mentioned, we've, we've been producing a lot of content. Um, a couple months ago, we released about a 60 page pre-launch guide mm -hmm. that really outlines. Yeah 
pretty much everything you need to consider leading up to it. And um, gotten a lot of good feedback that that's been a big value add for some of our first time creators. Yeah, that, that's cool. And do you guys see yourself moving into the, like the newsletter world? Because again, a thing we see a lot is, you know, these newsletters could be really powerful of the sort of super backer um, world where you're not teaching somebody how Kickstarter works to, before they buy it, right? So do you guys see yourself sort of moving into that um, avenue as well of offering a service along the lines of some sort of newsletter of like, hey, we know these people have supported in the past. You know, um, you know, there's some companies out there that do something like that. You guys see yourself sort of getting into that world at all? Definitely. So right now um, with our affiliate tool, we do put out a newsletter every week that's a little bit more targeted at affiliates. Yep. Um, so getting them to sign up to help promote the campaigns. Uh, but with that said, we do see quite a, a few backers come through there as well that will actually pledge to the campaigns directly through the newsletter. So um, while that might not be the primary focus, sure. it is a nice nice secondary benefit from it. Uh, but now that we're into the pledge management, pledge management space as well, um, we'll definitely be rolling out a newsletter while we have more backers coming through our systems too. And, and can better cater the content and types of campaigns to backers who have indicated that they're interested in a particular category in the past. Yeah. And it, is there a like a, a pre, uh, like an amount raised on a campaign that really would suit this tool the best? Like again, let's just say I raised you know eighteen hundred bucks. Does the tool work really well for that, or is it you raised a hundred grand, you've got you know seven hundred orders or whatever it might be? Is there sort of like this is this is the right person to to utilize our tool? There's definitely a range. I'd say less so in the amount raised, but more so in the number of backers. Mm-hmm. So I'll say about a hundred backers might be a little bit more manageable for a creator to do manually, like yeah. spreadsheet email, that kind of thing. Um, it's really just the higher the backer count and the more complex the the project is in terms of how many reward levels, how many variants. Um, that's when they should probably look at considering a pledge manager to help. Right. So they really anything over a hundred would benefit. Um, but with our pricing for for the pledge manager, we've really um, looked at making it as flexible as possible so that creators at every level can have an opportunity to use it. Um, so our pricing is meant to be a lot more performance based. Um, some other pledge managers in the space will charge a percentage of the total funds raised in the actual Kickstarter yeah. campaign, despite not actually having really anything to do with yes, that. Yes, I have dealt with that. It is a very hard pill to swallow where I'm like, but why are you, what did I miss here? <laughs> and it can, it can be a lot. Yeah, so I am aware. Uh, with our pledge manager, we right from the get-go decided we didn't want to touch that at all. Those funds we had nothing to do yeah. with. So um, fees not based on that and, um, shipping also. So Kickstarter dings you on the shipping, other pledge managers ding you on the shipping. We don't charge any, any commissions on that. That's calculated separately. Mm. Um, shipping can still be charged through our pledge manager, mm. but our fee doesn't come out of it. So we have three different plans. One caters a little bit more to, uh, project creators that have a very big community. So those with, thousands to tens of thousands of backers that pledge to the campaign. Um, The fees calculated both as a per backer fee, as well as a commission based on the Mm add-ons that are sold through the survey. Uh, So for that one, we have a lower per backer fee and a slightly higher commission. And then on the other side of it, for project creators that plan to do a lot of upselling through their survey, we lower the commission rate, but have a slightly higher per backer fee. That's cool. That's really cool. Can we talk a little bit about, you mentioned the shipping and I think that's an interesting strategy that we talk about a lot here too, of not charging shipping in the campaign, right? So again, you Mm -hmm. know, and then, you know, there's a weird way of doing it and we've done only done it like once because it's so, it was just so bulky and like not clean of like trying to charge (laughs) the shipping after the campaign and, you know, trying to get people to take out their wallets again to give us 20 bucks. It was like, what are we doing here? You know? Yeah, that hurts. Backers don't want to see that. No, 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 they don't. They've already bought the thing. They thought that they got the thing. They're like, what do you mean? I got to give you shit. What? You know, I already already did this. Mm -hmm. So can you walk us through how the pledge manager might work in this scenario? Because it seems like that could be a fit. Yeah, definitely. So our pledge manager provides a great opportunity to actually make up any difference in shipping. So let's say during the campaign, 
um, you decided to charge kind of like a flat rate, $10 every reward level for shipping to help cover those costs. When you actually get to the pledge manager stage, when the backer inputs their exact address, um, during that pledge manager setup stage, the creator can set up shipping zones mm. and use different plugins um, like 3PL coordinators to actually get the accurate rates right. for everything. So during the pledge manager, if the backer overpaid during the Kickstarter campaign, so let's say they pay $10, it's only going to cost $5 to ship. That difference can be applied as a credit on their survey that they can use for add-ons. That's cool. On the opposite side, if maybe it ends up costing $12 and they only to pay 10 then the project creator gets to make up that lost money and they're not having to swallow that cost themselves right. unless they choose to. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's odd. Yeah. See like that, that's a cleaner system than the, uh, I don't know. I got a, Oh, I got to charge this guy a little bit more. This guy, a little bit more. Yeah. this person up here. Wow. It's a logistical nightmare oh, has to do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. No one wants to transfer you an extra five bucks through PayPal after the yeah. campaign, after they've already put up a, a bunch of money yeah. for you. Yeah. It, it hurts the experience. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that, yeah. That people, sure. you know, well, that's awesome. So what was the sort of timetable that it took for you guys to get to this point? I mean, is this something you guys have been working on, uh, you know, three months, a year, two years? How long has it, how long has it uh, taken to get to this point? A little over a year. So we started some early planning and exploration. Um, yeah. About a year ago, a couple, couple months more. And then um, I want to say in fall of this past year is when we started doing our beta testing. So uh, we had a few come in through big commerce and ran tests, looked for opportunities for improvement, went through, made those improvements. And then we started working on our integration to WooCommerce. Same thing, ran a couple tests there, made improvements and yeah, got to this week where, where we officially launched. But um, lots of other things coming down the line too, based on just our learnings from those tests and, and feedback that we've gotten that will, uh, follow up with, with new features coming out in the coming weeks. That's cool. That's awesome. You know, and, and this may be a little bit off of, you know, kick booster and stuff, but just in general, for anybody working on like a software company, like, like, how do you, how do you know that you at least have a product that's ready like, it, it, okay, we, let's put this out. We know we're going to do X, Y, and Z in the next three months, but where we are right now is still, it's still good, right? It's still usable. It's, the experience is good. How do you know when you get to that point? Cause I always think that that's, that's a, that's a tough thing. Cause you could just be tweaking let's, just another three months. Let's tweak another three, you know, let's get this part, you know, how do you stop and go, all right, we're going to go put it out and then we're going to add this, this, and this, you know, how do you do that? And yeah, that's that's a hard question to answer because I think it's so easy to want to hold on to something until you have these other 10 features yeah, yeah. rolled out too. But there also comes a point where you can't just guess what the market needs. You have to put it out there and get the feedback. Yeah. So while in some ways it might even feel a little bit premature to us, the best way to know that we're building the thing that project creators actually want is to put it out there and, and get them to use it and try it and give us feedback and fix those gaps. And while the beta tests have been super helpful in doing that, it's a relatively small group of people. Yeah. So yeah, there comes a point where you just need to kind of open the floodgates and and listen to what people are saying. Yeah, no, I, and <clears throat> that's probably where most of these crowdfunding people have gotten to as well. Like they could work on their prototype or their widget at some point, put it out there. Let's see. Let, let's let, let's let's get the ball rolling. Yeah, let the community help you. Yeah. That's that's what I love about crowdfunding so much is that it is really a collective effort. Mm -hmm. It's everyone gets involved and everyone gives constructive feedback yeah. to help you get to really where the market wants you to be. And it's it's a great effort to do it. Yeah, it's one of it's one together. of the hardest things for a lot of project creators to accept like they, you know, because yeah. <laughs> it's their baby and, and they know what they're doing better than everybody else. But almost every campaign, and I always try, I, like, I don't put this in contracts, but I try to explain to everybody. I'm like, there will be something that happens that's going to blow your mind that I can't promise you yet, but I guarantee you somebody's going to comment and go, you really should have just made this, this color blue. And it would have done this, this, and this. And you're like, Oh my God, you just blew. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> why did I not do that? It's per, you know, and that's what crowdfunding is for, yeah. right? Yeah. It's, it's to get the whole community of 
your prospective customers yeah. to tell you what they want so you can go and build it. Right, right. yeah. It's actually, Perfect, yeah. It's pretty simple, actually, at the end of the day. We, we make it more complicated than that, but it's like, just listen, listen. They want the blue version. Don't make a red one, you know? Yeah, you definitely can't have an ego in this business. You have to be ready to accept that hard feedback and and work on improving it. <laughs> you know, how, how does, like, Kickstarter, and you, you might not know, feel about what you guys do, like pledge managers and all these sort of stuff. I mean, is that something that like Kickstarter is supportive of, or, you know, is it something that they, you know, cause I believe Kickstarter has a very purist mindset. Like it's the same system as 10 years ago. How did they feel about tools like this to make the experiences better after a campaign? Uh, to be honest, we haven't worked too, too closely with Kickstarter. Yeah. So I can't necessarily comment uh, directly on that, but I think the, general mindset is like, if there's, if there's an opportunity to fill a gap, fill it, but, um, kind of do it on your own, (laughs) your own terms. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it is interesting. I mean, it's, it's an interesting thing that, you know, I, I, I've had a lot of conversations recently on just like, is Kickstarter missing the boat on some of the stuff for project creators? Because they're just, I mean, like, why can't I put a pixel code in? Like, you know, what are we doing here? Right. So like, there is clearly a purist mindset that they have of like, you know, the crowd will just come somehow, but we've moved so far past that, you know, I mean, that's why a kick booster exists. It's why an agencies exist. It's why, you know, a, you know, a, a jalop for Facebook ads, whatever it is. Like, that's why we exist because there's just this huge gap and, and, you know, why are we making it so difficult to raise capital for, for people? I don't, I don't, I don't get it. So it's nice for tools like you and I, I that's, you know, um, I just wonder what that mindset might be behind the scenes on them. And obviously we, who knows, we're speculating right now, but it, it, it course, is interesting, right. you know, so. Yeah. And if you think about Kickstarter though, when it first started, like it really was meant for creative projects, like films, yep. uh, albums, that kind that's of thing. That's how I got here. I did 300 music projects. That's what I did. Like yeah. just <laughs> small dollar amounts. And, but you know, and it was interesting because all we would do is literally I would tweet like three times and I'd raise six grand. It's like, Oh, well, that was easy. I just tweeted three times, you know, like, you know, all right, that's cool. That's easy enough. And then it's just, it's crazy how like, it's just, you know, Kickstarter actually hasn't changed the back end, basically. Like it's the same survey process as 10 years ago, mm-hmm. but Facebook's changed. Social media's changed. Organic traffic has changed. Twitter's changed. TikTok's now here. Who knows? You know, whatever it is, pledge managers are here. It does, it, but like just that core of like, nope, you just, all you need is you just hit it, download a survey and that's, you'll be fine. You get that CSV file. And that's all you need. It's like, yeah. And I think, um, a lot of like product based projects. So people who are actually selling like physical items are using Kickstarter as a way to raise funds for it. But maybe that wasn't really Kickstarter's intention yeah. and, and people are just, well, basically using the software and making it work for them. Yeah. Um, would be kind of my, my speculation. Yeah, there. It's interesting because, you know, we've, I've done, I think I have like three of the top 10 documentaries and we can't even go to the platform anymore because it's so hard. You know what I mean? It's like, so it's even like kind of moved past that where it's like, I could have a documentary that's going to be great, but the audience now isn't here because it's board game people and, and, and tech products and, um, you know, that type of stuff. So I don't know. It's interesting. It's interesting. I've been talking more and more about it. Cause just, you know, I, I interviewed a Fort magnet guy, you know, he raised whatever it was $4 million for his, uh, kids, uh, Fort stuff. Right. And he was just like, it's just so weird. It's a, it's, it's just a weird, it's a weird business strategy is what, you know, at the end of the day. So. Yeah. If you look at the big two though, so Kickstarter and Indiegogo, I really think that Kickstarter caters a lot more to the backers and protecting them yep. and making sure that their pledges are actually going to legitimate businesses. Yep. Um, whereas Indiegogo takes a little bit of the, the other approach mm-hmm. and makes the tools a bit more friendly for project creators, easier to use, but at the same time does have a less strong reputation, yeah, no, I guess. In Yeah, I get the amount of, a lot of my leads that come in are from Indiegogo and it's just like they put a render up of, of like this product and you're like, yeah, yeah. Even like just the qualifications of getting on the platform, like Kickstarter often does require you to have some form of a prototype, yep. whereas you might only need like mocks or sketches for right, yeah. launch event. Like, yeah. So yeah, they they definitely cater to different audiences, which have their pros and cons. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Oh, it's, uh, it's, yeah they're just, it's just what it is, right? It's, it's just knowing. More trust yeah. in many ways, yeah. Well, cool. So how does, let's say somebody's, you know, 
A, thinking about launching a campaign or their campaigns being successful, what, you know, do they just reach out? Do they just make an account? What, what do they do to start setting up this uh, pledge manager for their, uh, for their campaigns? Yeah, it's made to be very self-serve. So you can just come to kickbooster.me and hit sign up and it's right. One of the tools that you can select from the get-go. Um, there is a lot more content on the site too. Like we have a, a dedicated pledge manager page with more info. Um, you can also access it to get a demo of the product before you you set it up. Um, but you're you're free to sign up and play around at any point. You don't need to commit to a plan ahead of time. You don't need to pay for anything ahead of time. You can go through the entire setup process. Cool. And if you choose not to go forward with it, that's, that's of course, your decision. <laughs> but um, no commitment needed to go through and, and tinker with it, really. That's cool. And then can you, ch- like, do you have to, at some point when you're like, all right, I want to use this, do you have to commit to a pricing structure or is it something that you're doing that after the campaign and kind of really seeing, kind because of, you had the two options you were talking about, right? The the, the way the commissions might work, but how, like, when are, when are you sort of, I got to do the math to make sure this all makes sense. When, when you're at the point where you're ready to actually send out your backer surveys is when you would select the plan that you're, you're choosing to work with. Gotcha. Okay. So right, right at the end when, Basically, the last step. <laughs> last step. Okay, that makes yeah, that's awesome because there's I've worked on a couple where I'm committing to something where I'm like, what am I committing to? I don't know. I don't. I don't know what my add-ons are quite yet. You know, <laughs> like oh, okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's that's just the reality of it. Some people don't know what they're choosing to offer for add-ons, and if they go through the whole process and they realize, hey, I'm actually going to be offering like 15, 20 new things. Chances are, I'll be actually selling a lot more. Maybe you want to go with the lower add-on commission right. plan and hire per backer yeah. instead just to kind of offset that. Very cool. Very, very cool. Well, this is obviously, I think, going to be a powerful tool for you guys. I mean, everything, I love what you guys do in, in the referral uh, system, right? I'm one of those people who are sharing out my, your campaigns, uh, you know, uh, through the through my newsletters. Um, but this seems like a, just an absolute perfect fit for, uh, you know, for a campaign that's successful and got a lot of backers, got a lot of data to go through. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm excited. I, you'll probably, well, you will see me using it at some point here, uh, as soon as we, uh, get a campaign that needs it, but, uh, very, very cool. I appreciate you taking time again out of your day and, uh, keep making cool tools over there. It's awesome. Perfect. Thank you so much for having us, Jeff. This has been great. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thank you. All right. You heard it. That is uh, my interview with Shelby uh, from Kick Booster. Um, yeah, she's totally a great one, man. I, I do enjoy connecting with her, man. She's She's got a good spirit and really they make some great tools over there. So like I said before, go check them out. Kickbooster.me, uh, I think is their website or just Google Kick Booster and you'll find it. Um, yeah, so the song's time rolls by. Ray Stable story. Go over to Spotify. You can grab that now. Reach out to me. Connect with me on Clubhouse or some of the other channels. I hope you guys have enjoyed all of this content. It has been an honor to bring it to all of you. Um, I've had a great time. I have talked to some amazing people. Uh, I've talked about some amazing, amazing campaigns. Um, I have. I should add up all the the amount of money that's been raised. Um, you know, from the people who have done this episode, it's got to be tons of millions and millions of dollars. So with all that said, I hope you guys uh, stay well, reach out and connect with me. And uh, I look forward to talking to you guys on other platforms in the future. All right, guys, time rolls by. See ya.